Hello, and welcome back to Roads Uncharted. We are starting season three. I'm so excited to have you back with us. My name is Dex. I'm the GM and the producer. And today we're going to be doing an episode just about eight and Arthas. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Eight and Arthas. You are sitting in the dining area of the Silver Pearl, the inn that you have been staying at in the city of Kidova while you do your research in the library and do various other research and tasks and things that you've been doing over the last few weeks. Now, today, like other days, Ro is actually at one of the symposiums that the university is holding. He had talked about this the last couple of days, so you knew that he was going to be gone before sunrise. As you sit at the table, you can hear Beverly, the innkeeper, rummaging around in the kitchen every so often. You see her bringing out a platter of dried meats, a couple bowls of fruit, and she's just setting it out on like the buffet table, like she does most mornings. As you sit there, what are the two of you doing? What are you talking about? I am mildly focused on the dried meat tray. What do you mean mildly focused? Are you just staring at it or did you take it? What does that mean? I mean, I'm not just going to walk up and grab it, but I am kind of checking it out to see what's on there. Oh, okay. Sure, sure. You see that there what appears to be some sort of dried strips of beef. You see that there is smoked fish of some kind. You, you do know that there is a type of fish that is local to the mountain streams that kind of tastes like trout, but a little more delicate. So the residents generally smoke it to kind of beef up that flavor. So there's the smoked fish. There is the beef. There is shredded chicken that has been mixed in some sort of spices and herbs. As you're looking at the tray, you do see that Beverly brings out some fresh flatbreads that usually is eaten with the shredded chicken before she disappears again. Delightful. I imagine that I've been fairly pensive for the most part since... uh, Actually, I suppose I should ask, how much time has passed since we had our magical nap? It's been about a week. So in Reishi, a week is about 10 days. Okay, so I've probably got my arms folded and my palms together, my fingers kind of steepled in front of my face. I'm not even really taking note of the fact that Arthas is just gazing at the, the meat platter that is on display. I'm kind of lost in a little bit of contemplation at the moment not really paying much heed to anything going on around me at the current time. Probably muttering a little bit as well. I guess I would have tried to find a map of some kind to try and figure out where to next. I'd probably have that rolled out on the table and I'm just sort of getting the lay of the land. Okay, so you grabbed some of the dried meats and then sat down at the table and are now pouring over the map while eight sits there all pensive-like. Precisely. After a little bit of time, I will unfold my hands and set them down on the table, kind of my fingers curling against the outer edge of the table. 
I kind of snap to attention here and I'm frowning a little bit. This look of consternation kind of forms on my face. And Arthas, you'd, you'd notice that besides the fact that my jaw is set into a frown for one of like the first times you've ever seen, I also have a fairly dim look to my usually bright eyes as I just focus back on you and your meat and the map that's laid out in front of us. What's on your mind? Oh, Arthas, it's seemingly the most trivial thing, but I've been thinking about this for the better part of the morning. I came across the most frustrating, well, perhaps frustrating is not the right word, I came across the most challenging of logical puzzles the other day. And despite my best efforts, I seem to be having a hard time coming up with a solution. It's just absolutely vexing me. What is it? <laughs> well, I had been looking through some of the books in the library and happened across writing that said simply, a child is 12 years old now and is three times older than their sibling. And as I'm recounting this, my fingers steeple back together. How old will this first child be when they are twice as old as this sibling? And I've been thinking about this for a very long time, longer than I would actually care to admit. And I'm not certain I've come up with the appropriate answer. I believe this is what they call a logical test, but I cannot help but feel like we may be missing some information to make a fully accurate assessment of the child's age. Why not just ask the child? You know, that is a very intelligent approach to it. However, given that this is a written sentence in a book, I do not know which child this references. So even if I wanted to, I would be unable to locate the child in question. And besides, what the child necessarily know how to answer this logic puzzle in itself, because it assumes that the child can exist in two different ages at the same time, in the stance of this sentence, at least. For they're 12 years old now, which is a factor of three higher than their sibling. And then the same question asks how old they would be when they are twice as old as a sibling. That puzzle predicates itself on the fact that the one child can age, yet the other sibling cannot. Because how can a child be three times older than their sibling at one point, but then merely half as old at another? Would they not both age at the same rate? Who wrote this down? The name of the author of the book in which I found this. Uh, I cannot quite seem to recall it at the moment. I do believe it was an old human scholar, someone who liked puzzles and logical tests. Every now and then I like to peruse these for my own entertainment, but I feel like I might have bitten off a little bit more than I can chew with this one. Similarly to the amount of meat that man has taken at that table. And I'll point to one of the other patrons who has like an enormous slab of smoked beef just sitting out. I really do not believe that man can consume all of that in one bite. Eight. Whoever wrote this had too much time on their hands to begin with. I wouldn't worry too much about it. I suppose you are right in that assessment, Arthas. 
I did not mean to bother you with such a trifling matter, but you seem to be fairly intent on studying this map. What in particular are you looking to locate? I suppose wherever we have to go next. We're not staying here forever, I assume. I believe that would be a fairly accurate assumption, and I will once again unsteeple my hands. I'll put them down uh, in my lap, and I'll lean back a little from the table. My posture, nice and straight, as I look forward without really focusing on anything in particular. I do believe we will be wearing out our welcome at some point in the near future. I believe the headmaster would not be particularly pleased if we were to make ourselves residents and demand full access to the library much longer. Though, it does seem that Roe has taken quite a liking to the different lectures and discussions that are available. That's one way to put it. Where is he? Studying through breakfast, I assume? He had mentioned something about wanting to attend another one of the seminars. He's been very busy the last several days between independent research and attending the university's different classes. You know, Arthas, you would probably benefit from going to at least one or two of them. They are fairly enlightening, depending on the subject matter at hand. I would put dollars to donuts, I believe that's a saying, an idiom, as it were, that you might be able to find one that discusses warfare, tactics, or uh, fighting styles, perhaps. That would be more theoretical than in practice. Most people here at the university do not look like they could lift a sword, nonetheless actually engage in martial combat. DM, have I seen anything along those lines, like advertised? Well, I guess the question is, would you have looked? I mean, I know you've spent some time in the library, but you've also gone off wandering the city doing your own thing. I mean, hence you got the tattoo. So got the tattoo. So, I mean, it depends. Are you? How much time have you spent closer to the university and actually checking out some of the advertisements for the different classes is the question I'm going to pose to you. I've probably poked my head in, but I don't think I really know how a university works. So I don't know if Arthas is going to try and get like an associate in theoretical warfare or if he can just poke his head into a classroom and pretend that, of course, this 11-foot-tall man has always been here. What are you talking about, Professor? I would say if you haven't spent too much time closer to this university center where a lot of the symposiums and seminars and stuff are usually held, you probably have not seen any advertisements for any classes. Gotcha. I guess I will, after he mentions that, make a little mental note to take a look. After all, our time here in Kidova will be limited. And you are right. I believe we will be leaving sometime soon. After all, we have a prophecy to look into and potentially fulfill slash halt. Which reminds me, we need to visit with our good friend Arcturus before we leave. His magical skull may contain secrets that we need. Where is he? Well, Arthas... When we first arrived, I do believe Arcturus was handed over to the local guard to keep a watchful eye on him. However, it has been about a week, so I cannot say entirely for certain where Arcturus has wound up at this point. It's better than the bottom of a backpack, I suppose. Yes, or embedded in a wall somewhere deep underground. But only just. Let's find him. I suppose we can do so. 
have you had your fill of smoked meats and salted, uh, various salted sundries? Almost. But I have a solution, and I would like to produce a little leather bag that I picked up and shove some of said smoked meats into the bag. Sure. Why not? Yeah. Ah, food to go. Exceptional. I suppose we can begin our work in earnest, then. And maybe by the time we find Arcturus, we will be rejoined by Roe. Or, barring that, we will have found answers we need, and we may divulge them to our scholarly companion. So I will say it is at this point as Arthas is finishing scooping up food into his little doggy bag, you hear a massive clash from the kitchen. Then Beverly comes rushing out with two large bowls, one on each arm. She sets them out on the table. One is full of some sort of pottage and the other one is filled with rice. She turns around to you and when you look at the front of her, her normally clean and crisp outfit is covered with some sort of red, what looks like a viscous, sticky mess. And she looks at the two of you and goes, Oh, Arthas, dearie, you don't have to pack up the food. You mean, there's, there's plenty. Do, do you want, a, I can get you a, a container, and then that way it doesn't ruin your bag? Ma'am, I assure you, this is the meats bag. And I motion towards the bottom of the bag that has a little cured ham embroidered on the front. Oh, all right. Well, she looks around. She kind of like raises her finger as if she's counting all the patrons in the room. And then one thing to note is that over the last couple of days, more and more people have started to show up at the inn. And, and now the inn is full on up. There are no empty rooms. Breakfast hasn't been too busy, but when you have been in the dining area for meals, it has been relatively packed at dinner hour. A lot of the people that have been arriving have been I hate to say obviously, but obviously from outside the city, you've seen dwarves and you've seen gnomes and you've seen a couple of prosids, actually, even. Various people from all over have been coming to Kidova and taking up residence at the Silver Pearl. She sits there and she counts how many patrons are around. She turns to look at the two of you. All right, now, now you two remember that the inn is going to be closed this afternoon and I won't be opening up till near supper. You you remember that, right? It's good that you reminded us. The very thought slipped my mind as I had been so busy thinking about that riddle. I must ask, though, is there a specific reason that you'll be closed? And is the city always this busy? I feel like it has grown more crowded since we first arrived. Oh, uh, that's right. The, the two of you were relatively new to Kidova. Well, you see, this evening is the festival of Ruher. She kind of like pokes her head down a little closer to the two of you. You, you do remember who Ruher is, right? Ruher. I stare blankly. My eyes flicker just a little bit. The god of life and... Anyway... Ruher is the god of life and peace, and here in Kidova, about this time of year, we tend to have a small evening festival where we, we celebrate peace and life and all its bounty. So we'll have a lot of people coming in to see the festival. We do a whole lights display. Uh, people like myself run little classes and seminars, and, and this afternoon I'm running a jam-making seminar. I see. Well, that is exciting. So I won't, I won't be around, so I'm closing everything down after breakfast understand. Will there be samples available after the seminar for consumption? Uh, there should be. I, I usually 
share a couple different recipes over the course of the seminar. And there's only so many samples I can provide to the class for tasting. So there should be some left over. I have yet to walk away from a seminar where everything was cleared out. If there is any left over, I would be thrilled to be able to taste a little bit of your samples. And perhaps it would pair well with some smoked meats, Arthas? Smoked meats, you say? Well, I mean, you already have smoked meats, so what's a little bit of jam on the side, correct? I might need to get a new bag. That is an excellent point. Perhaps we can get you a jams and preserves bag to go along with your meat bag. Beverly, will there be vendors for this Rue Han Festival? Yes, yes, Aid, of course. And it's Rue Hair. Oh, excuse me, of course. Uh, apparently, my attention is still divided. The Rue Hair Festival will have vendors. Perhaps we can find you a bag, Arthas. Spectacular. Perfect. Well, perhaps I'll I'll see you at my seminar then. Uh, if you'll excuse me, I just have to go clean up this apron before I start tidying up. Um, please, enjoy. And she turns to go and leave and head back to the kitchen, leaving you to your own business, when suddenly the door to the inn opens, and the relative peace and calm of the morning is broken by the silence of a young woman holding a small child on her hip walking up and going, Mother, mother, oh, oh, good, you're still here, you haven't left yet, rushing up to Beverly. Beverly turns around. Oh, what What are the two of you doing here? Breakfast. Arthas, I do believe that is Beverly's daughter speaking to her mother. Ah. Uh. Also, it would be rude of us to eavesdrop. What do you say we go looking for Arcturus? Spectacular idea, eight. Now. Gather up our plates and bring them to the bar top, making Beverly's job slightly easier. A tidy guest is a welcome guest. As you walk close to the bar top, you overhear, despite your best efforts at not eavesdropping, it, it is a little difficult to ignore the two high-pitched voices and their attempts to whisper. Mother, mother, you promised you would watch Benny. What are you talking about, Maddie? I can't watch Benny today. Today's the Ruhair Festival. You know I'm teaching a jam-making seminar. I do it every year. But, but mother, today's my first day teaching a seminar at the university. I can't be late. And if I wait any longer, I'm going to be late. I don't have time to find anybody else to watch Benny. Well, I don't know what you expect me to do about it, Maddie. I can't cancel a jam-making seminar. I've got 100 attendants this year. Well, then what do you suppose we do? Because you're the one that promised. I did not promise. Beverly sees you walking over eight and stops. Eight! I am mid-setting plates down on the bar top, and I will stop, and my head will just turn to the side and look at the two of them. Yes. You seem like such a pleasant fellow. Would you be willing to do me a small favor if, if I offered you two nights free stay? I will put the plates down gently on the bar top, and I will fold my hands and put them in front of me on my chest and I look at Beverly. Is this perhaps uh, a business transaction? Is this what we would call uh, scratch my back, I scratch yours? Yes. Tit for tat? Yes. An eye for an eye? Yes, but less painful. I suppose it depends on the nature of the favor. Well, 
you see, I'm I'm doing the jam making seminar this afternoon, and it's going to take me a little time to clear up the inn after everyone's done with breakfast. Yes, you said you have 100 attendees this year. Oh, you heard that. I'm sorry, I was slightly eavesdropping. It was not my intent. That's that's all right, Eight. You you were awfully loud. I that that's all right, Eight. This, and she gestures to the young woman behind her with the child. This is my daughter Maddie. Maddie, this is Eight, one of our very frequent visitors here to the establishment. Hello, Maddie. I am Eight, and I am traveling with my best friend Ro and my best friend Arthas. Arthas is eleven feet tall, and you will probably notice that he is directly behind me, taking up an inordinate amount of space in this establishment. And I will give a meek wave to Arthas. I wave back. Maddie smiles kind of awkwardly. Uh, and then this is her son, my, my grandson, Benny. I will turn my gaze to the child. And uh, how, how old is this child? Two-ish. Maybe three. Hello, Benny. I will say. My name is Eight, and I am having a discussion in earnest with your grandmother, and by extension, your mother. It seems that you are a source of contention between the two of them at this time. Benny, sucking his thumb, turns his face away from you in that shy move that most young children tend to do. Um, Eight, my daughter needs a babysitter for Benny for just a couple of hours while she teaches a class. It's her first day at the university. She's going to be the newest professor of art history. Oh, delightful. The history of art. Well, there appears to have been some miscommunication between us as to who was going to watch Benny, and Benny's too young to be left on his own. Would you be willing, you and potentially Arthas, be willing to watch Benny for just a couple of hours until Maddie is done with her class? And in exchange, I will give you two free nights here at the inn. Uh, um. You've mentioned your, you've experienced in caretaking. I can't imagine it would be too difficult. I have uh, extensive experience with caretaking for individuals old enough to care for themselves and individuals who are too old to take care of themselves. That said... I certainly would not volunteer Arthas's time for such an endeavor as this without consulting him. And you say only for a few hours? Yes, only for a couple hours, just as long as the class goes on, and then Maddie can take Benny back from you. May I respond with a question in turn? Why does Benny not simply take the seminar for himself? Learn something. Beverly smirks, glances over at Benny. Looks up at you. Eight, have you ever taken care of a two-year-old child? I have not. Though I do have a mechanical donkey that is less than two years old. Are they similar in principle? Not quite. That's true. Bessie does not make any mess. Children this age need to be watched. They need a little bit more attention than a class could provide. Benny is generally very well behaved. Just would maybe need a snack... Um, maybe for you to play with him a little bit. He'll probably end up taking a nap before the class is over with it. I promise it won't be much mind at all. If you will wait for just a moment, I shall return with an answer shortly forthwith. Excellent. Maddie, follow me into the kitchen. I need to get out of this sticky mess. And Beverly and Maddie, with Benny, head on into the kitchen. 
I will turn around abruptly, my blue fabric cape kind of swishing with the motion, and I will walk across the floor to where Arthas is, and I will stop short, look to my friend and companion, and say, I have news, Arthas, of a potential job. Is it watching that child? Arthas, were you eavesdropping? I was. It is a good thing that you did, because that is the job that has been offered, is to simply watch a small child named Benny for a few hours. I do not know how many hours go into a few. However, considering the size of the child, I do not believe it will be of much difficulty to sit on them for that long. Precisely. And how hard could it possibly be? Exactly. I've been told that children like to eat, they like to be watched, and they may enjoy some playtime. I feel as if these are all things that we can be quite capable of. After all, we both have eyes with which to watch. You have a meat bag inside of which you keep meat, which we might feed the child with. And if Benny requires playtime, I can simply summon Eight Junior to play with him. What makes a better playmate than a wild chicken? I would be hard pressed to find anything else. Does this job interest you, Arthas? Certainly. Besides, it's the least we can do for all the hospitality we've been shown. I suppose that is true. Though we have paid for our night's stays so far, we have been offered two free nights if we watch Benny. Ooh. I do believe Roe handles most of the finances at this point. I am sure he would be delighted to hear that we scored two free evenings of stay here at the inn without him having to have been involved in watching a child. Precisely. I say go for it. Then we have an accord. It seems, Arthas, that you and I are becoming quite entrepreneurial. <laughs> this is delightful. I shall go tell them that we will sit on their child. I will start walking away back towards the kitchen and I will just stand outside of the door and wait. It's it's one of those doors that it's really just an archway. So if you're standing at the door, you can see into the kitchen. You can see the whole layout. Um, you do see that Beverly is in the midst of tying on a fresh apron and Benny is seated kind of like on the edge of the countertop with like Maddie standing in front of him and kind of holding him when Beverly notices that you're standing at the door. Oh, Eight, uh, what was the decision? I have discussed the matter with my friend Arthas, and the two of us have reached an agreement. We shall sit on your baby for a few hours to make sure that they are safe. Maddie looks very distressed when you say sit on the baby, and Beverly looks a little shocked at first, and then kind of shakes her head. Uh, eight, did, did you say sit on the baby? Yes, that is what you said. You need a babysitter. We will sit on the baby for the time that you need us. Eight, you don't actually sit on the baby. You just, you watch the child. Make sure that the child doesn't eat a poisonous mushroom or hurt itself. That's, that, that's what babysitting means. Why would the child have access to a poisonous mushroom? I don't know. Kids get into the weirdest things. Well, I suppose poisonous mushrooms would not be weird. 
I do believe most mushrooms are not edible, so it would stand to reason that if they do find a mushroom, it is a matter of likelihood that it would be poisonous. Well, it, it sounds like the matter is settled. Um, Maddie, why don't you go to your class and I will give Eight the rundown on watching Benny since I've done it enough times, haven't I, sweetheart? And with that, she kind of pinches Benny's cheek and the child giggles a little bit. <laughs> oh, does the child always make that noise when you do that to it? And I will lean in, like I'll, I'll get closer with my fingers ready for the pinching. Uh, sometimes he's not always a fan. It depends on the mood. Just pinch lightly if you do. As I get closer, my giant sausage link fingers like closing in on the cheek. I'll just stop short. I'll pull my hand back. I suppose I will save this for our bonding time when we are playing later this afternoon. That sounds like an excellent idea. Uh, Maddie, you've got to get going or you're going to be late. Oh, oh, you're right. Um, Thank you. Hey, uh, tell your friend Arthas I really appreciate this. Um, Maddie goes to rush out of the kitchen, stops, runs back, drops off a bag next to Benny, and then dashes off. A very worried look on her face. And it's very difficult to tell. Is she worried because she's potentially going to be late for the first day of her new job? Or is she worried because of who it's, she's leaving her children it's with? It's because she might be late, obviously. I Obvious, would be worried very as obviously. well if I was running late to my very first day teaching an art history seminar. Obviously. I will look at Benny. I'll look at the bag. I will look at Beverly. Beverly, will we be taking Benny with us when we depart from the inn this afternoon? Well, I, that might be for the best. What, what were you planning on doing today? Oh, we were planning on going to visit our friend Arcturus, the disembodied skeletal head who has been kept prisoner by the local guard. Uh-huh. As you're saying this, Beverly had started cleaning up some of the, the bowls and things. As you say this, she starts to slow her movements as, as it's really dawning on her what you're saying. Eight. Is that something that needs to be done today? I've already waited approximately ten days to seek him out at this point. Um, I suppose a few hours might not kill me. Have you been to the park yet? Um, park, park, park. And I will tap my chin real quick. I do believe I walked through an open-air park at some point. I do not believe I lingered for very long, though. The one on the other side, the residential section, where there's all the trees and flowers and paths? That one? Yes. Perfect. Then you'll know exactly where to go. It's one of Benny's favorite places, and it might give you the best chance to keep him distracted while Maddie's gone. Ah, is this why we used poisonous mushrooms as a potential... That is exactly why we used poisonous mushrooms as an example. I am sure that I will be more than capable with the assistance of Arthas on keeping eyes on Benny and not sitting on him. I will walk over and take the bag. I imagine it's like what? Kind of like it's a, a leather satchel. Yeah. yeah, overstuffed leather satchel. Take the bag and I will shoulder it and I will look at the baby. I will take my hands and just kind of scoop under the arms of the child. So like 
my hands are under the armpits and I'm just kind of like holding the kid up facing me. How far out are your arms extended? Oh, all the way. Eight. Benny doesn't bite. Feel free to bring him in close if you need to. Now, look, if you don't mind, I have to finish getting cleaned up. Otherwise, I'm never going to make it to the seminar on time. I will see you back here in three hours. I will mark a sundial and I will turn, holding the kid out still stretched as far as possible. And I'll just walk and muttering to myself on the way out as I'm getting close to Arthas. Benny does not bite. You do not bite. Have you not? Are you teething yet? Is that a thing? You do have teeth, yes? Arthas, and I'll like use my hands to turn the kid to face Arthas. Look in Benny's mouth. Does Benny have teeth? Oh, Arthas, this is Benny. And I will just with the kid hanging, dangling. I guess I'm just a little shocked. I don't really see a lot of children up close and personal, and generally they're a lot bigger than this at age two. It's two, yes? I, I believe that is is what two increments. Has it gotten its first weapon yet? Um, I do not believe that Benny has had the chance to pick a, a favored weapon of sorts. Uh, I have been told, however, that Benny is a fan of the outdoors and nature, and it was suggested that I lay him in the grass in the park and see what happens. Well, that seems correct for a child. Perhaps you know the types of things that children or young babies might enjoy. After all, you were one at one point, were you not, Arthas? I have a vague memory of it. Excellent. That's more experience than I have with being a baby, so I will follow your lead for most of what we are doing. We do need to vacate the establishment, though, as I believe we would be, as Beverly said, quote, in the way for while she is trying to clean up. Well, onward. We will depart for the park. And I am, I am holding the baby out, like, like Rafiki holds Simba in, in Lion King, like the whole time, just out. Now, is is Benny facing you, or do you still have Benny facing outward, so that you and Benny are facing the same way? Uh, at this point, I've just got Benny facing outward because I had turned him so Arthas could tell me if Benny had teeth, but we didn't quite establish that yet, so <laughs> we got a little distracted. <laughs> As you do. I assume that Arthas opens the door for you to exit the inn? Or is Arthas just going to watch and see if you can struggle through this? Oh, I'd hold it open. They seem like they have their hands full. Thank you, Arthas. You truly are a great friend. Now, at this point in the morning, the streets are relatively empty. You've been here long enough now that you know the best days to get up and moving and out so that you can avoid a lot of the traffic. Kidova is big enough where it does get very busy, even in this area where it's not heavily touristy. And you're able to follow the street past a bunch of houses and things in the residential district heading towards the park. Now, if you continue to walk with the child as you have been, mm -hmm. you start to feel Benny squirm, trying to lift himself up and just constantly squirming and it's it's getting more frequent as you continue on 
as we're walking, I will stop short. Just a moment, Arthas. I believe Benny is trying to tell me something. And I will turn the baby and hold them facing me again. And I will look at him. My eyes are brighter than they were earlier. And I'm kind of raising my eyebrows expectantly. What is it, Benny? Do you have something you need to ask? Do you have something you'd like to tell me? Is there something you would like to say to Arthas? Are you hungry? Are you tired? Are you bored? Do you miss your mother? Would you like to go back and see your grandmother? Benny is still trying to squirm as if he's trying to push himself upward. And at one point, he just reaches out his hands and starts opening and closing his little palms. You see his chubby little sausage fingers flexing. And you hear, "Mm." he's reaching out to you. Oh, you would like a chance to feel the ground with your fingers. And I will just take him and set him down in the street. Okay. And stand there, looking down at him. There. How is that? This is what you wanted, correct? Arthas, doesn't he look happy? Does he look happy? He... Yes. Arthas, it sounds like you might have some baby experience-based intuition to share. Not particularly. I never really handled children. So, you plunk Benny down on the ground, and at first he sits there and pats the ground a little bit, his palm, fingers extended, pushes himself up to a standing position, and as the two of you are talking and looking down, sticks one finger in his mouth as he's looking around at the houses that are nearby, and something seems to catch his attention. And he's staring off into what appears to be an alleyway between a couple houses. Points out a sticky, drooly finger at whatever he's looking at and goes, uh-huh. And then suddenly there is a shrill, high-pitched baby laugh, and he darts off towards the alleyway. And I run after. I mean, babies can run pretty fast, but Arthas is also 11 feet tall, and one step would kind of be all Arthas needs. So it's just a matter of which agility-based skill. Um, give me give me a coordination check there, Arthas, and give it to me at easy difficulty, so just one purple. Easy one success and one advantage. All right. Um, you run after Benny, and it's very easy for you to, to catch up to him and, and grab a hold of him. What would you like to use your advantage for? To make sure that I grab him correctly. That's fair. Making sure the head is supported. You know, not I'm not picking this child up by a leg and just dangling. Yeah, you you grab him just around his core and are able to stop him in his tracks. And it takes him a second to realize that he's been picked up and is no longer moving towards his target. Now, once you grab him, what do you do with him? Do you just hold him? Do you pick him up? I guess I, like, pick him up as gently as I can, just, like, standing height. Oh, so he's, like, way up there. Like, eye level with you? Not, like, eye level, but, like, chest level. Okay. All right. He's still up there pretty high. Okay. Benny looks up at you and stops 
and tilts his head a little bit like he's just getting a good look at you. And suddenly his face starts to turn bright red. And his face becomes a little crumpled. And his eyes squinch up a little bit. And his lower lip starts to pout. And you hear... And this child starts to cry. Oh, no. Takes a couple racking sobs. (laughs) And screech. And it is echoing through the stone chamber. I think I know what to do. And I will try to maneuver a piece of jerky out of my meat bag. Okay. Give me another coordination check. I'm going to increase the difficulty to medium and I am going to apply a setback. Because you are holding a squirming living being. It's not like you're just holding like a bowl or something. One success and three threat. Okay. I'll say that you are successful in maneuvering the jerky out of the bag, but then in the wriggling mass that is Benny, he ends up catching your hand at just the right angle that it knocks the jerky out of your hand and it falls to the floor. Darn. My one idea. Eight, how do you pacify a crying child? I pad over behind you as you're fumbling around for the jerky. And I'll pick it up off of the ground after it's fallen and kind of hold it up for you. I was honestly not aware that this was a child crying. I thought perhaps that you had maybe squeezed Benny too hard or something. I don't really uh, know what's going on. Perhaps whatever was in the alleyway would help soothe his woe? I look at the alleyway. You see, not too far beyond the entrance a big fluffy white cat licking its paws. Oh. I suppose I will uh, look at the alleyway and go The cat stops licking themselves and looks up at you, their bright green eyes shining in the shadowy darkness of the alleyway and just stares. I think Benny wants to see that cat. I will look and and stare at the cat for a moment, and I will simply nod my head. I think that would be an accurate assessment, Arthas. Though, in our limited experience, I do not believe we have found cats to be very good companions. In fact, you pummeled one to pieces in the middle of an arena. So, um, perhaps... Perhaps some magic can solve this problem. And I will withdraw a spoon as I look to Arthas. And I will, will, will say, if I summon a cat that looks identical, I should be able to control its temperament. Therefore, superseding any possibility that the cat would behave negatively towards Benny. Yeah, go ahead and cast that spell. And I would like to use a summon spell to create a magical cat from the ether. And I will basically stand at the mouth of the alleyway, staring at the cat so that I can get a a mental image of what this cat should look like before I cast my spell. Sure. Go ahead and give yourself a boost just because you've taken the time to study this critter to try and get a, a relatively close approximation. 
Oh, whew. okay. Uh, I have a success and two advantage left over. Cool. So you are able to summon this fluffy white cat. Why don't you describe what this spell looks like and how you want to use your advantages? I've got the spoon and I am going to essentially, after looking at the cat for far too long, I will turn and face Arthas holding Benny and I will take the spoon and kind of hold it pointing adjacent to like, I don't know, like a box top or like a garbage can lid or whatever is in the alleyway there as a platform. And I will start basically tracing a circular outline along the the surface of, of the, the platform where I'm going to summon this feline and keep doing that circle. My eyes shift from the purple to kind of a bluish hue, I think. So the the violet kind of changes to more of a cerulean color and shimmers a little bit as I'm channeling this magical energy. And I say aloud, Benny, be sure to keep your eyes focused because this is a trick that your relatives probably cannot do. And I will trace the spoon up in a cat shape, kind of that loaf. And as I move the spoon up, I go back down, tracing the same way I did going up. And as I go down, basically puffs of white fur start erupting from the tip of the spoon, almost like a vacuum cleaner put in reverse as just all this hair just kind of That's terrifying. To puff out of it and coalesce together in roughly a cat mound form. As I'm working my way down, it basically starts with the head, makes the upper body, makes the rump, and then I do a quick upward flick and makes a little tail shape with the hair. For a moment, it literally just looks like I took a whole wad of old hair and put it in place. Ew. And then from that wad of hair, uh, it kind of gets more rigid and gets a little more form. And the tail goes from like a loose amount of fur. And then it kind of gets that bony structure to it. And it starts to have a little bit of a wag to it as it comes to life. A pair of eyes kind of erupt from the back of where the head would be. And then a little mouth with a little kitty smile. And the cat, it looks like its head is backwards for a moment. But then the body just kind of shifts in place and inverts. And then the cat is just staring at Arthas and Benny with wide green eyes that mimic the original cat with just a glimmer of more intelligence than what the original cat had, as it just has this weird smirk full of sharp feline teeth, and it's staring. So I will say, while you were casting your spell, Benny became a little distracted by the lights and the tufts of hair flying out of nowhere, and it 
started to calm down a little bit. The screeching turned into more gentle crying to whimpering until finally when the cat was fully formed, now you have this toddler that is quiet doing the once in a while sniffles that kids do when they come off a crying fit. You know, the cheeks are ruddy and puffy and tears stained. But Benny has eyes for this cat. So you were successful in calming down the child. What were you, do you want to use your advantages for? I think I would like to notice two things. Okay. One advantage for it being that the original cat has slunk off and Benny has not noticed that cat leaving because of the distraction. And then two, maybe there's like a little hoop in the alleyway that I can grab. Like a hula hoop? Except like smaller. Whiskey barrel hoop? Yeah, something like that. Sure, why not? So seeing this hoop, I will snag it and I will hold my arm out, the big gauntleted arm, and I will look at the cat and say, Come along now. You have one very important job, and that is to keep the child happy. And I will indicate Benny. The cat is my ally and will obey my commands. So I would hope it will jump up on my arm. You could ask it to. Will you please get on my arm? The cat does a little butt wiggle and leaps and lands on your arm and then crawls up to your shoulder and wraps itself around your shoulders like a stole. And you hear near your auditory receptors, (laughs) (laughs) Benny starts giggling (laughs) at your obvious discomfort. Horrifying uh, point, if I might make it. I really want this cat to kind of move and shift like, you remember... Tiny Toons with the, the flabby dog that was like all flabby skin. And when it would turn around, it would just like turn in on itself. And then like the head would pop out the other side. I'm kind of envisioning this cat just having like nebulous bone structure. And that like if it turns around, it just kind of seeps into itself, turns the other direction without any real physical anatomy yeah it's like it's amorphous it's just kind of like flowing as opposed to like moving sure then it slink slunk slink and curls around your shoulder then i shall call this cat liquid and that is where we're going to end that session thanks for listening we hope you'll join us next time but in the interim follow us on twitter at roads uncharted The Roads Uncharted podcast is GM'd and produced by Dax, who you can find on Twitter at GM underscore Dax. We use the Genesis RPG system published by Fantasy Flight Games and music licensed by Epidemic Sound. Arthas, champion of Offum, is played by Neil. Eight is played by Ren, who also composed the music for our opening theme. Follow them on Twitter at Thorny Dryad. Ro is played by Kappa, and you can follow him on Twitter at TheKappaChris.